Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Backup cards. Backup cards. Batteries. All good. All good. You sure? Okay. Sure. Okay. Uh, welcome back. My name is Richard Keyes. And my name, as you might know by now, is Andrew Mullen Gray. Yeah. There's still people that inquire as to... Mullen. Yeah. The, the origins of Mullen. I think, it's, I think it was uh, my dad's side but of I, the family. I've always said I quite like it. it Aye. It's strong. It's, it's the surname... Yes. ...from within the family. Yes. There you go. What's don't know what, Yeah, I don't know what... I mean, I, don't, I, I assume it's my dad's side. I didn't know many of my dad's side of the family, to be honest with you. But um, um, from my older brother, Wally, he tells me it's from my father's side of the family. Well, what would mine be? Well, well no, hold no. on, because mine would be Keys. Richard Keys, Keys. No, you wouldn't be Keys, Keys. Side. Well, it would be from your mother's side they'd probably take it ah, from. Ma. There you go. M-A-R-R. M-A-R-R. Richard Mar Keys. See, that would be more likely. another one. See, it's not a lot. There are not a lot of people who are born in England who get middle names, get surnames, do they? Oh, I think so. Do you? Yeah, I think so. Oh, you're what? Richard James. James. There you go. See, my, I am Andrew Mullen. Uh, Duncan, my brother's Duncan Murray, which is my mum's well, maiden I name. I think of a second Yeah, for Duncan. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, we won't go there. Brian, wasn't it? <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Brian Gray. Brian Gray. You like Brian. Does no, he? He does like does Brian, I'm a brother. Some people know him very well as Brian. Yeah, he's a, he's a nightmare. Yeah. He is a nightmare, but yeah. he likes Brian. If mm. you bump into Duncan... Great, Brian. Yeah. Uh, who else in the family? What about Willie? Uh, James. Oh, my brother James is, uh, funny enough, he's, he's James Neil Gray. As in? As in my uncle Neil, my mum's brother. Oh, there you go. My mum's younger brother. That's the only one. William doesn't have, my brother Willie doesn't have a middle name. Just Willie Gray. My That's eldest it. sister does. My middle sister does. My youngest sister uh-huh. doesn't. I think they'd run out by that time. Do your kids have age. middle names? Did you give them middle names? Uh, two middle names. Oh, just, just to be different. Very posh, son. Yeah. Well, I don't know about posh, but it was something that was suggested to me by a friend at the time. Uh-huh. Just to make, um, oh, very good. Make a difference, yeah. Yeah. And so it this is the Keys Top 5. Uh, anyway, uh, down to football. <laughs> um, I'm going to start unusually this week with one that you probably haven't seen, but I actually... I, 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 to this day, feel... I didn't at the time. Let's get right. this straight before I reveal what this story is at number five this week. Didn't at the time. I was with the rest of the country. Absolute disgrace. What is he thinking? How dare he? Oh. But 
As the years have passed and I got to know his son very well and had the opportunity to be able to sit down and discuss what happened, it became very evident to me that here was another man that had been badly wronged by football. Well, I don't know your five. Go on. But I know you're talking about Don Revy. Well, actually, I'm talking about Don Revy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Fair play. Because Revy. I yeah. was able to say to Duncan, first thing before we talk is, is it Revy or Revy? And he uh, said, it's Revy. Revy. Yeah. Don Revy. And you, I Don am, Andy, yes. Yeah, who was a, a, probably, the, the, this piece by Matt Barlow in the Mail this week, Don was probably the first in our business to be cancelled mm -hmm. yeah, as a result of his yes. decision to take a job in Saudi Arabia uh -huh. after quitting as England manager, but on the cusp of being sacked. Mm -hmm. That's what nobody ever mentions. Mm -hmm. So he was on his way out, and he knew that it was over. Mm -hmm. So he took the job, and why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Exactly. I don't why wouldn't, why you? wouldn't you? Uh, what happened was the Football Association sat, they banned him from working in, in English football for 10 years for bringing the how, game into disrepute. How could they Well, they do later that? lost a case legally on that. But, but I think that football in general had decided by this time that Don was um, you, well, uh, abused goods, if you like, yeah. and yeah. that they weren't going anywhere near him. No. no. But his uh, biographer... Um, got in touch with the Football Association uh, um, this week to ask, would it be possible to revisit this and, and for the FA to say, sorry, and we really shouldn't have acted like mm -hmm. this, and it was all a bit too much. Um, so a letter was sent to Public Relations Manager Sophie Levine, who replied by email to say the matter would not be taken further, but referred to Don as Sir Don Reeby. <laughs> what does that tell you uh, about how much time and effort they put in thinking about this? I know. Um, uh, having sent a personal letter to the chairman, the interim chairman at the FA, uh, I'm amazed he wasn't available to reply, um, said uh, Evans. Evans, who is Evans? Let me just... Oh, Chris Evans. No. Um, who who uh, was acting on behalf of the former Leeds legend. Clearly, the fact they call him Sir Don, he said, uh, no one has paid a great deal of attention to this. They haven't, but they should. They should. And, and they should restore his reputation all these years on because it's wrong what happened to Don. Yeah. They didn't like it, though, England, and, and, and did they? The England way, didn't like the way he just he constructed went. constructed a fabulous... And I've always said this. Uh, yeah, we've all had a laugh down the years about dirty leads. Mm -hmm. um, but what a fabulous team that oh. Don put together. And they were dirty simply because they were good mates, Andy, and they'd look after each other. Casey, I don't know... People who say modern-day teams don't, but in those days, you didn't get anywhere by being nice. You had to be ruthless. You look at the great sides. You know, the, you look at your Liverpool side you admire from oh, the seventies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but they could look after themselves. Mm. Make no mistake about it. Look at my Everton side that won in mid eighties. We could look after ourselves. No, no doubt about that. You, you would, you would do not anything, but you'd certainly go very close to doing anything to win the football match. They were, they were professional to the. The nth degree of the word. What leads. if your little mate came across and said, Andy, Andy, that's going to the kidney. <laughs> what, what would you do? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, we and she, yeah. <laughs> hey, we're playing Newcastle. And he came up to me, he said, that Glenn Oder's kicking me, Andy. I said, all right, leave him with me, I'll sort it. So he was going to pass the ball back, Glenn. So I came in behind him and absolutely rattled into the back of him just as he was passing it. Little did I know that by doing that, I broke my metatarsal on my foot and I was out for 12 weeks. And little Inchie and Graham went on to be a brilliant partnership. These going, oh, sorry, Andy. I'm sorry, Inch, I was just looking after you. <laughs> Funny. Funny. But yes, you looked after somebody else. Yeah. And if, if you were in trouble, 
Oh. Move, move the card along the line. Okay, well, Very Reedy, simple. Reedy was there. If I needed it, Sharpie was there. If we Reedy, needed it. Reedy and Brian Marwood. Reedy and Brian Marwood. There's a classic example. That, listen, Who Marwood, was it Brian did? Uh, Adrian Heath. Inchy again. Cruciate ligaments. Yeah. Yeah. He did cruciate. It was an accident. It was a clumsy challenge. He never meant to do it, Brian Marwood, but that didn't matter. He did it. And therefore, Reedy, every time Reedy played against him, from then on, every time he played against him, he rattled into Brian Marwood <laughs> time and time again. <laughs> Funny. I think I'm right in saying Brian started picking up injuries mm. when he was playing against Reedy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes, quite right. I would have as well. <laughs> Number four, quite right too. Uh, the Paliosas, uh, Mark, a very good mate of mine and has been for a long, long time. What have they done? Um, uh, they have ensured that the FA will not allow betting companies to stream live FA Cup matches when it sells the next TV rights. In other words, you were only getting football matches if you subscribe to these betting sites. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, that's not right. No. Can't be right. Never was right. And <laughs> so won, therefore... They've won it. Yeah. The, the um, Nicola Palios, the vice chairman of Tramway Rover, said it should never be acceptable to make watching a football match dependent upon gambling. She's no. absolutely right. Totally right. And uh, uh, they have won in that battle to make sure that doesn't Good. happen. Well yeah, done. absolutely too. Well done. Um, number three. Uh, see, I, I don't necessarily plan any of this, Andy. I just, no, as you and know. I, if people are wondering, I don't know you're five when you walk through the door. Nor do I. Oh, don't you? No. <laughs> I just know that I've got a lot of articles on it <laughs> okay, okay. that I've saved. Um, I mean, here's one I, I d didn't necessarily expect. We'll put this in at three. Um, uh, Ralph Hassenhuttle saying, don't let January signings play in rearranged fixtures. Yeah. I'm with him. Yeah? Why? Well, because the game should have been played uh -huh. without the recruitment that you've made after it was yeah. postponed. Yeah. So therefore, you should only be able to surely no. play with the tools that you had at your disposal at the time that that game should have been well, played. And many have used the COVID issues to get matches yeah, postponed. Well, that may be the case, and, and they may have a case on, the, on, the, on that. But it's a bit like saying, well, you know what? Um, we haven't played uh, Liverpool at Anfield um, before the, the winter break. We didn't play them in the first half of the season at Anfield. Um, but you did, and they, they've signed five new players in January, and now we've got to go to Anfield and play them with five new players, and you didn't. Exactly. No, that's wrong. Well, it's the same thing. Well, no, if the game was scheduled no, no, to mean, take place on February no, the 1st, fine. I know, but... But that, it wasn't. No, it but, was scheduled to take place on December that's, the 26th. That's, listen, that's tough luck. No, well, and it's not. It is. Particularly as Liverpool, and, and, and as we're discussing that, mm -hmm. produced same, so many false negatives recently, having had a game postponed for COVID reasons, and then it transpires that they never should have done, of course. I just think there's been too many well, teams, I, less, listen, less to play in the FA Cup If there's manipulation, and then, then they haven't got enough players fit to go to play to Liverpool. No, well, I know. Why not? I, know. I don't agree with that. I think that's tough luck. I mean, if the games have genuinely been postponed for genuine reasons, well, that's tough luck. It's a, it's a rubbery green. Get your games played then, I would suggest to teams. Yeah, but if I am Ralph Hassenhutl in Southampton and I've how many, seen games How many games has Ralph Hassenhutl missed, I wonder? Let me, I'd, probably two. I don't know. I'm don't just know, guessing off the either. top of my head because I, I can't, I'm just... No, I know, you know I, I saw that. Scrolling back to find the article. I can't get my head around that and I'm not sure Southampton were due to play last Sunday against Newcastle United. Yeah. Uh, so this was from Saturday, January the 8th. Um, so when that game so there's takes one place, for sure. right, what Hassan Hutto is saying is, when we play Newcastle, they shouldn't be playing Kieran Trippier or Correct. Chris Wood. Yes. That's what he's saying. Yes. Yeah. I think he's got a point. It's a bit like being cup-tied, isn't it? No. It is. It's not. That game should have been played. Yeah, but it was not. And Newcastle fault. got it postponed. Well, listen, there's, another, there's another argument there. Yes. But that means you have to then physically sit down and accuse people of cheating. Well, I haven't said they're cheating. I said they got it postponed. And they weren't the only okay. club. They've been accused of manipulating. 
the well, figures. I just mentioned Leicester. How can Leicester uh, play a cup to I don't then know. two days later not be able to play a I don't know. game? I don't know. I don't know. Don't get it. Um, no. So here's number two, mm. Rasmus Ankerson, who's part of the takeover. Brentford? Yeah, no? correct. Who was part of the oh. takeover group at Southampton has moved. Now, you see, he comes with a lot of... It's what, explore this whole area with you. He comes with a great deal of credit for being the man largely behind mm. Brentford's rise yes. from, from yes. um, ignominy mm -hmm. into the Premier League. Um, he's a money balls mm -hmm. addict. That's right. And it's worked very well for them, it has to be said. Mm -hmm. um, but, you see, I don't understand the difference between him doing what he's done. And I was thinking back to my own club, right. Coventry, Coventry, who had a really good academy mm -hmm. through the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. You think about the people that we sold on, Andy. Willie Carr, uh, Dennis Mortimer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tommy Hutch came and went. He's one of those that was bought and sold for, 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 for better. Mm -hmm. uh, Graham Padden, Mick Maguire, Danny Thomas. I, I mean, the list is endless. Mark Hately, Gary Thompson. Just, we did well. We recruited well. Yeah. And we sold on yeah. well. And the yeah. club survived as a result. Uh -huh. so I, I don't see this as a modern day phenomenon. Well, I see it as something that if you do... Here, for example. Go on. 44 debuts and counting. Liverpool's academy. 44 players have come from their academy in recent Quite seasons to make debuts. So, so that's impressive. That's not driven by money balls. That's driven by good recruitment yes. and player education, surely. Yeah, player education, um, your eyes. I mean, money balls is driven by, from my understanding of it, and you correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding of money balls is it's stat driven. It's very much, we look at the guy's stats, um, we look at what he's producing, uh, and we, we, we take a chance on, and back, well, not take a chance, they obviously believe the stats, they believe the facts and figures, and they will be prepared to sign someone. Whereas um, standing watching a footballer play football like people used to do and getting a feel for him there, um, is, it was slightly different. But I think it's like everything. People have spells, Richard. Look at, look at Leicester. When they won the league that year, who was it? It was credited with bringing them all in. Well, it was Mickey Steve Walsh. Walsh. Steve, Steve Walsh. Walsh. Steve, Mickey, Steve Walsh. Yeah, Mickey was brother. So Steve Walsh is credited with, oh, Steve, brilliant! You've done all this. You're the man. You're the best scout in the world. Everton take a chance on Steve, and he produced what, nothing. Really? Well, well he, really? I, I, no, I would. I, I know what you're saying. That would be the perception. Right. Agreed. But he, and again, I, I have to admit that, uh -huh. that, that Steve's a Walt. Um, uh, Steve's a yeah. Walsh. Steve's a, <laughs> Steve's a mate. I'd no one's ever really sat down and admitted who bought what, what uh, during that period of time. And I, I don't think you can put it all on Walsh's well, toes. I know Adam Mana Lookman uh -huh. was one of his, who might yeah. want to become a he very might. good player. He might. Um, but whether you can put the, the, uh, the likes well, of the Wobie on his you need, you need to get lucky as well like that. Look at the class of 82. To this day, 92. man, 92. To this day, people keep talking about it. Mm. You know, look at those players that they produced. That, that, that was... Sometimes you just get lucky. You know, mm. a group of players arrive together at the same time yes. with the same drive and the same determination to succeed and, and amazing ability, and it happens. But since 92, how many have, how many have United really produced from well, their academy. Yeah, that's a fair point. Scott McTominay, who's about the only one playing today. I, I, uh, I don't... I, I, handfuls. Handfuls. It can only be handfuls. And that's Manchester United. So I think you have to cut your cloth to suit. And it obviously suits Brentford to work that way. That, that, that doesn't commit them to large transfer fees. Um, they can uh, manage what they do. But I think as much as they've been fortunate in many ways, they took a chance on Ivan, Ivan Tony. What do you see? Which was a, a terrific He was just going business. through my mind. You say yeah. that... It, that wasn't a chance. That wasn't a gamble. Really. Was it not? They, they, well, yes and no. Uh. I mean, Tony, had, had, his education started at Newcastle. Mm. He, he came to prominence at, at Peterborough, particularly. Uh. Five mil is going to get him out of Peterborough. 
right. whoever you are, yeah. whoever you are, yeah. they'll sell him on now for 40 or 50, probably. Mm. Mm. But, but Coventry could have done that. Yes. Or, or, yes. or yes. I, I don't know. Um, and but why would that have been money balls, as you say? Why, money balls. Why would that have been money balls? Surely they saw, look at that, he's whacking in those goals at Peterborough, left, right and centre. Exactly. So let's, let's have him. Let's get a grip of it. So yeah. I'm, 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 See, I no. don't know about it. I don't know about money balls. I'm not a, a big fan of it, but uh, certainly if, if Brentford want to do it and it's, it continues to be the route for their success, then I don't know. Carry on. Okay, with a number of uh, different articles at number one because oh. I, I, I've ran out of space and realised <laughs> as I've been <laughs> passing through. Joint my, first. <laughs> yeah, so a number of joint first. Yeah. Eric Cantona says he won't watch the Qatar World Cup. I don't think Qatar is going to be too worried about that, Eric. No, um, do I? I don't make light of what he's saying. He, he alleges um, that there's been uh, t- too many deaths here as a result of the building of the stadiums. Those figures, I think Qatar would dispute and correctly. Um, I, 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 um, good luck. I mean, has he been? That, is it, do you know if Qatar has been to this country? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, what I do know is he's never played in the World Cup. 98, Amy Jacquet wanted to play him, but he didn't have the decency to respond to a letter sent Benny. to him ask him if he could adapt to playing around uh-huh. Zidane uh, France went on and won the World Cup he's never been to a World Cup he was never he, whatever United fans tell you he was never deemed to be good enough to play for France really? that's why he is he, that? no surely yes he, early on he, he let Gerard Houllier down and, and Jacquet obviously he was at, surely when he was at United he must have been no, good enough to play for France never never he didn't play for France during that time wow their engine room, their creator was Zidane. He thought he was that. Ah. Well, well, he wasn't. No. No. <laughs> Zidane's pretty special. <laughs> Again, you see, um, it's fascinating. Um, slave labour use in Beijing games. China's athletes will wear kit made in Xinjiang, a region in the country which is accused of using forced labour. I've only seen this in one newspaper this week. I haven't yeah. seen a great deal of that. No, no, it's amazing, you know. Jonas always say to me, well, we, we only follow the story. No, you don't no, to shape it, really. You do shape it. I was fascinated this week when Boris Johnson was under pressure mm-hmm. Wednesday yeah. ahead of Prime Minister's questions time. The only time the Daily Fail have ever referred to him as the PM. Oh, is it? Not Boris. Because he's usually their darling, you see. Oh, On he? the same day, the Daily Mirror, uh-huh. for the first time ever, referred to him as Boris. They're taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> so, following day, when he half escaped the net, mm-hmm. Daily Mail continued to call him Boris, Boris again. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's they don't follow no. the story. No, they do shape it. They shape. Well, they they try to shape it. Well, they do. Opi- they try to shape people's opinion. Of course, they do. Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm sorry. No. He said a lot to well, say this week, didn't he? Shut up. He said a lot to say. I, I don't know. Um, my one thought on this would be: um, has has he um, not jumped ship? But has he broken ranks here and come out on his own, or has? Uh, Ranić and him had a chat and he said I'm going to have a little go at the players the young players in particular see if we can get any reaction from them and Ranić's given him the okay to do that or do you think Ranić had no idea what Ronaldo was about to say I'm, I'm not sure I, I would go with the latter of though I mean listen hadn't thought about the first you uh-huh. may have a point but I, I think he's you know what I mean sometimes Ranić is such, I mean what they're saying about Ranić now is that he's old school no. Can you believe that? Oh, shut up Seriously oh, hold on That's what that. the, the dressing room is calling Ranić <laughs> old school I thought he was an innovator. I thought people mm. hung on his every word about coaching and how people should be coached. Who's and run less at played. Old Trafford this season? Than Who's run less yeah. uh, than anybody else at Old Trafford? Oh, you're going to probably say, I mean, you're Ronaldo, aren't you? Yeah. I knew you were. I knew there was a reason you asked it. <laughs> 
Yeah. So listen, Ronnie, um, <laughs> shut up. That would be my view on that. Just just get on with it as best you can. Um, general oh. message for Manchester United. Oh, they're getting... Let's just say there's a lot of criticism coming from ex-United players in the last month. A lot. Mm. So we shall see where they end Luca up. Dean, good luck. Um, the question I would ask is the one posed by uh, uh, the press today. Where do Everton find a fullback of his quality for 25 million? They don't. I think it's extraordinary. They don't. I, I, I said to you today, I, I don't get the fact that um, we lose, arguably, certainly one of the best fullbacks in English football, playing in English football. We lose him for no reason other than Benitez, surprise, surprise, fell out with him yeah. and quickly shipped him out. And, well, we, and remember, we bring in, hold on, we bring in Anwar El Ghazi from Villa. Another one of my old clubs, obviously. I mean, I could not be more pleased that, that Steven Gerrard has, has snapped him. If he was leaving Everton, I'm delighted he's gone to Villa. Mm. But he should never have been leaving Everton. That's what I would suggest. But then to, to bring in a player, Anwar El Ghazi, who can't get in uh, Villa side, can't get in Villa side, a player who plays in an area of the pitch where Demary Gray plays, Andros Townsend plays, and young Anthony Gordon play. Now, they're probably three of the more successful players that Everton have had this season. Demary Gray's had a good impact, so has Townsend, bits and pieces, and Anthony Gordon looks a real prospect. Um, and there are three players that can play there, and yet Benitez has decided to bring in someone who I don't think will start. It's almost like, a, it's almost like another Alex Iwobi for me. Someone who arrived with a reputation that it would be good and has basically did very, very little. I don't get, I don't get Benitez's logic. I really don't get his thought process. Um, I'd love him to sit down and say, yeah, Anwar Ngazi was going to play here. And what he gives, what he thinks he gives Everton that they don't already have because I, don't, I can't see anything. Same Rafa Benitez who took over at Chelsea in November 2012 and fell out with John Terry. John started only four games <laughs> In the six weeks of what was remaining of that season, he played in 34 under Jose Mourinho the following season and, of course, won the title. Um, if, if, you're, if you're bigger than... Did he not fall out with Ronaldo at Real Madrid? Benitez, no. Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. He fell out with him as well. Remember JT told us on the podcast recently, I had to say to Benitez, stop talking about Liverpool. Uh, We're Chelsea. I know. Yeah. You see, the minute, the minute that someone has the courage to say, whoa, and I think that, that, that from talking to people, what Dean complained about was he said, we're too, and he made a point this week in his post of saying, looking forward to playing possession mm -hmm. and attacking football. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't want to play the way Benitez plays. Of course, I know he didn't. And that's what Benitez plays. That's, look at Newcastle. I mean, with the greatest respect to Newcastle, it, it looks to me like he's trying to turn Everton into Newcastle. No, I mean yeah. that. Like a team who defend and are regressive. Do you know what I'm saying? And are pragmatic. Oh. That's, what, that's what worries me. I, I, I hope I'm... I've said to you all along, my, my, my wish is that I'm wrong and Everton fly up the table. I just don't see it. Uh, Mariner's not fit to be a ref, says Keith Hackett. Andre Mariner, who made a, a mess of taking charge of the Spurs Carabao Cup semi-final second leg this oh. week. Uh, Keith Hackett, the former chair of the PGMOL, mm -hmm. he said this week, he's not fit enough. He said he doesn't, doesn't keep up with play. Um, the only... The, uh, first one he gave, I thought was clearly outside, and I don't know why the lino didn't see that. Yeah, the lino should have helped the him. Only, the only thing I would say about it is, I, at least he had the courage... To give it. ...to make decisions. Mm -hmm. He didn't wait, and he was happy to be corrected. Yes. Whereas I think so many of today's officials 
Don't, Wait. Yeah, so many, that, we've talked about this, too many of today's officials are doing that same game would have given nothing. Mm. And they would, have, they would have been proven right, but not by judgment, more by luck, mm. right? Whereas he, at least, I would say that about Marner, he was, he was bold enough, um, strong, strong, strong in his convictions that both were from where he saw them. And you have to remember that from where he saw them. Mm. They both looked like penalties to him. So he gave them. Nothing wrong with that because you have Vieira there to do what it did the other night. And that was to correct it. And he was happy to go and do that. Yeah, but too many do the other, go the other way, Richard, and we've talked about it. That They just don't make decisions now and hope that VAR, if they, if they made an error, will correct them. We've talked about refereeing a lot this season, haven't we? And at first, it looked like we weren't going to. Well, yes, you're right, because for, we for set out with a different understanding of A couple of weeks, yeah. it sounded yeah. great. So, having mentioned Keith Hackett, mm. um, I'm going to talk to him. still regarded as one of the top 100 referees of all time. Uh, you think how many guys have run with the whistle? That's, a, that's a, quite a statement. I'd, I'd have, I gave Keith a volley one day. Did you? Aye. Uh, when I was, Do you want to save the story? Until yeah, I'm happy if he remembers it. But <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask him if it's him. I'm sure it was Keith. I'll ask him. <laughs> Let's join our guest this week. Keith <laughs> Hackett. <laughs> uh, Keith, how Great. are you? I'm very well, thanks, Richard. Good. Good uh, lad. In order that we start this without a hint of bias, yes. Um, I just want to ask this first, Keith. Um, did you pick up a whistle because you were shit at football at school? That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, usually what the case. How did That's you know that? Well, because, because um, nine out of ten do. <laughs> I kept going to games and um, not getting selected. And then, uh, <laughs> then the team had to volunteer somebody to go and take a referee's exam. And, uh, and I, as they all stepped backwards, I was left all on my own. <laughs> well, listen, in fairness, it wasn't a bad decision, was it? <laughs> it worked out all right, didn't it? Yeah, it uh, worked out all right. I mean, uh, those, uh, I think 12 years I was at grassroots level, refereeing pub teams and, you know, pitches that were not hardly marked out. <laughs> Some that, that you had to avoid the dogs and, and on one occasion I... <laughs> In the middle of a match, uh, a guy with a couple of dogs started walking across the pitch. <laughs> I had to stop the game. Brilliant. And he just said, it's my right away, mate. Uh, I've always walked the show. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Uh, but but c continued a career from that point, Keith, to the very, very top. Mm. You took charge of some big games, big, big finals. Um, succeeded... Uh, Philip Don as chair of the PGMOL, which mm. I want to get around to talking about shortly. But I think Andy also yeah. has a, a football memory no, he I, wants to I, share. I, 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 you won't be surprised. Was. I just, I think, and I'm pretty sure it was it was you, Keith, when, when Big Ron took over at Villa uh, in the early yeah. 90s and I was his assistant. I'm sure yeah. you took charge of Aston Villa against Spurs, I think it was, at Villa Park. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, was, I was a regular visitor to Spurs, uh, to uh, Villa and Spurs. Right. Well, I think at the end of that game, I took exception to one or two of your decisions that seemed to be very biased towards the big teams. <laughs> <laughs> and I come, I come flying on the pitch to you. I go, that's effing terrible. You, that's just, you lot are all the same. Every big team gets their effing decisions. You just don't think about it. You know. Andy, go away. Leave me alone. <laughs> 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 All right, Keith. Well played. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit like that. And I yeah. thought, well, that was probably my last volley at a referee ever, Keith. So there you go. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, those sort of stories, 
uh, were typical of the time. Um, we had to take it on the chin when we didn't perform well or there was a, a bias in, in the opinion. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that was left on the pitch and then forgotten and the next game was something new. Yeah. I mean, I can remember a refereed at Old Trafford and George Jordan had just, with McQueen, had come across um, to Manchester United and, and during the game, uh, as he did, uh, Joe collected the ball on, on his forearms and I'd flown for a free kick, disagreed, very strongly um, in the language that we, we were used to uh, yes. accepting. Yes. And, um, and I just walked up to him and said, Joe, you've said enough now. You're banned from Stringfellas Nightclub. <laughs> he was absolutely stopped in his tracks. And then Gordon McQueen came running across to, to sort of hold Joe off because he was losing a bit. And I said... Uh, Gordon, I've just told uh, Joe that he's banned from Stringfellas Nightclub. Tell him that my brother's the director of the Stringfellas Nightclub, <laughs> and he is banned. <laughs> Didn't turn a, week, a word out of Joe then. Absolutely. Uh, do, you, do you think it was a better time, Keith? Yes, I think that um, we got enjoyment. I mean, my biggest enjoyment was, was sharing the, the, the game, if you like, um, being a spectator, best seat in the ground, watching these players. Andy going up, challenging for ball, 100% commitment, sometimes the arm and elbow. Very often, um, Keith. Never, very often. But, never. Just but, use them for leverage, it, Keith. Just use my arms for leverage. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But that was part and part of yeah. the game. you know. And I, I was fortunate in that career of running alongside George Best, who after 25 minutes is saying, come on, rest. Stop the game, blow it up. I need to go home. I've got some dates that I want to go to. Uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, sharing a picture with Maradona, Dalgleish, I, I was a very lucky guy because mm. I was around players who would communicate, they would show their passion, and equally, I, I was willing to accept that as being part and parcel of football. It was something that, if you like, I was a stranger mm. coming on to a field and attempting not to cause men and not spend Monday, if you like, writing reports. And as a result, I think we earned respect. I think the players gave us respect. Um, but we didn't, you know, we were forgiven when we made an error, but we were not making the level of errors that currently being made by the, the modern referee. Was there anyone that you hated? By, by, I don't mean hate, hate, but you thought on a Saturday when you, you got the teams and you knew who you were ref and you thought, oh no, I can do without him today. I just don't want him chipping away in my ear for 90 minutes. Anyone like that that you just didn't enjoy being on the pitch with? Yeah, that you might actually, just to add to that, yeah. that you might just have a, a, a quick word with early on, Keith, and make sure that he behaved. <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, you know... I never really hated anybody. I saw them as a challenge, you know. You, you knew full well that Vinnie Jones, when you refereed Wimbledon, wasn't alone. You knew that you've got to keep your eyes open on about four or five. Yeah. Because, you know, whilst he would do it openly, um, somebody like Laurie Sanchez would, would do it quietly and, <coughs> and, and was almost mm. like Johnny Giles, a bit of a quiet assassin. Oh, really. Johnny was terrible, I know. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He topped me when he was playing at West Brom, Johnny Giles. Did he? Oh, he topped me. I was just a kid coming from Villa. I was a bit... And he, well, it serves you right. And I, went in, I thought, here was this, a bit like you, you say, 
<laughs> Keith, I'd heard about Johnny Giles, I'd read about him, I'd seen him playing these great Leeds teams and I was a huge sort of admirer of the way he played and I thought he was a pure footballer when <laughs> the ball broke between us at the Hawthorns. <laughs> and I went to honestly win it. The next minute I'm writhing in agony in the ground with six studs in my shin and me Johnny with a wee, ch- a wee smile on his face. Welcome to England, son. <laughs> so you're right. Keith obviously you know, knew more about the individuals than you did because yeah. he would be looking for that. Yeah. Did, did you ever referee them, Keith, that Leeds side? Oh, yeah. Um, and you had to keep an eye on them. But, you know, reputations are built. Uh, sometimes, you know, they were great masters of, of actually wasting time. But there were the small things that you had to get involved with. But I think like all these things, I, you know, I think in a 23-year career in the Football League and the Premier League and, the, and FIFA, I think I only sent about 10 players off because, for me, if I sent someone off, um, it was a defeat. I, I'd lost I'd lost the plot. I, I failed to control and manage that player. And, you know, I, I was talking to someone yesterday because I had the Battle of Old Trafford, that first one, where 21 players piled in. There was only David Seaman who decided <laughs> to bottle it and, and stay out of it. And I can't, I can't be down very quickly. And somebody said, well, who are you going to send off, ref? And I've gone, none of you. And he goes, why? I said, because it had to be one or 21. <laughs> well, that's and, fair. And, that's fair. Uh, and I said, look, you know, it'll all get sorted uh, when we go to, to the FA. And it did. And, and in a way, we got the match over. We didn't sort of stop the game and, and sort of start being unfair because mm. I think that you can always be selected and then you walk away and think, have I done the right thing? So, hey, look, these things happen in the mm. game, passion. I think sometimes we don't see the level of passion that we used to we used to witness, but we still see a different game. When you say sorry, Keith, when you say passion, do you mean um, uh, the crossing of the line, or do you mean a desire? I I think desire. I think there is there there was obviously that odd crossing of the line, but there was also. I mean, I can remember as a linesman going into Derby, Derby County at the baseball ground and. Um, we had to go in and inspect the studs of the players. Andy will remember yeah, that. Remember it well, was just yeah. a joke. I mean, like, there were about 15 in the toilet at once, avoiding it. It used to make me funny, just quickly on that, Keith, what used to make me laugh about yeah. that, as you say, you guys would come in and you'd inspect your boots, what, half an hour before the game, right? And the guys, yeah. we'd have all studs in, right? So there was one or two who, yeah. who liked a sharper stud than most, right? Mm. So as soon as the rest went out, quick change of the studs, change and the that boots. was it. They were all changed. Yeah. Sharp ones were now in the yeah. foot. <laughs> yeah. but, then you, but then you get the banter, you know. You go in and, and uh, at, at Derby, I think Frank Clintock played for Derby. Anyhow, it, the, the, the comment was, well, Lionel, you know that Franny Lee's on the other side and he'll fall over on the first gust of wind. Yeah. Just keep an eye on it. <laughs> and and it, there, there was sort of, if you like, these, these ideas that, yeah. that would be exchanged. But they would be said in, in a degree of fun. There was less cheating. I, I, cheating took place, but there was less of it. There wasn't the rolling over in agony. Oh, no. Um, you know, there wasn't the white boots, the pink boots, the orange boots. I, I can guess what would be said if a player in the 80s, 70s, 80s, ran out with those, those types of coloured boots. They'd be, they'd be laughed at. You it's, know? It's, it's, but that's the time, that's the era. It, it, it reminds me of a story as you're talking, Keith, I must also share with you. Kevin Keegan we saw a lot of out here in the early yeah. days at BN Sports. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Kevin was, was I, I suppose he was, he followed best, didn't he, as the next yeah. Uh, yeah. superstar, yeah. really. Yeah. 
And and yeah. early in his career at Liverpool, he was approached by I think it was Hummel that were making those right white white, white boots. boots was Hummel definitely. Yeah, and he was offered yeah. two and a half thousand pounds to wear these white boots, and he thought, well, I better take some advice from the senior players on this because yeah. I don't just want to turn up Saturday and and be wearing yeah. these and get hammered. Yeah. yeah. So he went to Tommy Smith, and and Tom looked at him and he went, Nah, that ain't for you, son. No, we don't do that at no, Liverpool. No, that's that's not the right thing. Not the, not the direction in which you should be going. <laughs> when he turned up at the weekend, looked across the dressing room. Tommy was putting white boots. On. <laughs> so he said, "Tom, what are you doing?" He went, "My career's a lot shorter than yours." <laughs> you know, I, I can remember doing with Tegan. I remember he was manager at Newcastle, and I was due on a Sunday to referee Newcastle Sunderland. I walked across the pitch and it was flooded. It wasn't just wet, it was flooded. <laughs> and I've come off and going to ring the Football League and said the game's not going to go ahead. And the, the, the assistant chief constable comes in and says, Mr Hackett, I hope you're not going to say this game's off. And I go, well, look, we, we're not ducks. We can't play on this. And he goes, it's in the best interest for this game to be played. He made contact with the Football League and I got this call from the Football League saying, keep whatever, play it. And... I sort of went out. I always, I always remember because I'm coming out of the dressing room uh, to start the game and uh, Kevin Keegan says to me, Ref? And I go, yeah. Ref, are you for real? And I go, why? He said, it's bloody wet out there. I said, it's more than wet. There's a pond at the Gallagher end. Try and tell your players before kickoff to try and avoid that lane. <laughs> and, and, and it just looked to me as though he was, <laughs> was out of fashion. But, you know, if you like, the banter took place. Sometimes it was a bit venomous, obviously, but it, it always, I always had the view it took two to make an argument. So as a result, often, I'd just face the other way and start talking to the air, you know, as though I'm in deep conversation with somebody. There's nobody there. Yeah, well, and, I'd, and I'd go, look, what you are see, you about that? Why aren't you listening to me? And I'd go, listen, I've got a conversation deep in my own thoughts. Don't get involved because it's not worth your time. I don't want to write a report. Well, you and see, you've got a reasonable that, that was when referees were allowed to be individuals yes. and have 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 a uh, a personality. Personality, yeah. Uh, inevitably, yeah. Keith, we've got to talk about modern day refereeing. Now, I'm going to tell this story, and I want you to stop me if at any point I get the detail badly wrong. Okay, Tim Cahill playing yep. for Everton at Manchester City. Yes, uh, pulls his shirt up to just under his neck. Uh huh. Um, referee Steve Bennett uh, books it yeah. again for a second time so it's a second yellow got to go off there was a real yeah. furore about it at the time uh, Keith's yeah. now in charge of the PGMOL takes mm -hmm. a call from Richard Scudamore right. chief exec of the Premier League who says look tell Bennett he's got to overturn that because there's too much uh, uh, attrition attached to it. it it's not good for us and, 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 and in the days when you could appeal a yeah. year um, I, yeah. I, you, you, you've, you've got to sort this so Keith okay Julia rings Steve Bennett and says Passing on regards from the chief exec of the Premier League and a request, can you rescind that card? Bennett said no. <laughs> so, the, absolutely. So the 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 what what followed was Bennett was stood down. I think for four weeks, four six weeks, Keith. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And at the end of that season, was it that season you were promoted into other work because you weren't a yes man? You weren't doing what Scudamore had told you to do, and your successor, Mike Riley, is. And that's why he got the job, in my opinion. Now, you can confirm that for me or not, but that's why I think you lost your job because he didn't feel as though you were able to fulfil his wishes. Okay. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think that I argued very strongly against that 
uh, particular approach by him. And I, I reminded him that as far as the Premier League is concerned, they, they, if he had any complaints, he would have to go to the board of directors. And in fairness to Steve Bennett, we had more than one conversation, probably two or three, because uh, I, mean, I was actually saying to Steve, I think it might be in your best interest. But Steve, in fairness to him, absolutely stuck his ground. And I, and I just went back and said, there's no way. And, and as a result of that, the influences came into bear. But, but you know, uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, <clears throat> I did stand my ground. Uh, and uh, I, I kept reminding him that he was always and never got any higher than a level five referee, which was almost like the Western League linesman's list. And I think I knew a little bit more about refereeing. <laughs> he didn't like it. And the other thing he didn't like and appreciate was on the odd, odd occasion on a Monday morning when I got a call from Keith James at Sky Sports saying, Keith, will you do us a favour and try to explain to us the decisions made by the referees over the weekend. And I started doing that. Um, and he didn't like that. He didn't certainly like my approach. Where I was trying to be transparent with the media, not, not to hammer the referees, but to actually say to the fans, look, We've moved from the age of amateur refereeing. I was an amateur referee in a professional game. We've mm. done that to make referees fitter, more mobile, more accountable. They were now salaried. They were earning a good salary. You know, somebody like Mike Dean had moved from like a £12,000 a year salary as a, as a chicken plucker. That's what he was doing. Yeah, well, he, he, he might have been better sticking <laughs> with it, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, he, he, he moved into a 50K job. So, you know, yeah. and, and I'm saying to them, you've got to deliver. You're getting paid yeah. to do the work. So as a result, I would, yeah, come out and say, look, the referee's made an error. This is why he's made an error. And we're going to do something about it. Now, I would then say to that referee, you've made an error. I Go away and have a look at it. Let's discuss it as a group. Uh, you're not out next week, and he go. What? You're not. You're not refereeing next week. I'm giving you a rest. I'm. I'm. You know. You've got to learn to do these things more accurately and more correctly. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think it was uh, seen as a bit of a threat from me to the referee, but it actually kept them really sharp. And I'm. And I kept saying, and the 21st manager in the football in the Premier League. And as such, if a manager's unhappy with a player, the player gets dropped. He might even get moved on, never play again. I'm trying to bring some accountability into refereeing and transparency so that fans, the media can see that when an error of magnitude is made, and I've got to tell you this, it was usually one in every 10 games. Actually, actually, one in 10 games, one every weekend, literally. Um, but now we're getting three in a game, four yeah. in a game, yeah. ten in a weekend. And uh. this is where I get concerned because there's no level of accountability. The process of a referee is simple. It's to see, recognize, think, and act. And unfortunately, a lot of the errors are because they're not seeing, because they're not in the position of being caught well out of position, well short, you had Andre Marion, who was a lovely guy. I, I really like Andre. But last weekend, he gave two incorrect penalty kick decisions in the game because he was nowhere near play. So yeah, he guessed. Yeah, I understand. And, and I, I, yeah. Although with, we, we, we yeah. mentioned that, Keith, before you joined. Yeah. All, all I said to Andy was, yeah, they were wrong, okay? 
and, and you've given us yeah. probably the best reason why that was the case. But mm. I, 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 I don't want to defend him too strongly, but at least he had the courage to give them, whereas so many today yeah. don't because they know they've got technology to, to, to follow and, and make a decision if they don't. Yeah, I mean, what, what VAR has done, and I never thought that I would say it, is that we've created a body of lazy referees yep. that are frightened. Yep. They're frightened. I mean, they, they, look, we all want to, we've got to realise that referees are human. They will make mistakes. We try to keep mistakes to a, a, a limit, if you like, or, or, or down to the odd one. But in truth, they're not making decisions. No. And what we've got is we've got a shift. The VAR is refereeing it. Yeah. The mm. VAR is detached from the game. We haven't a clue what's going on. I mean, I'm, I'm a qualified referee with some reputation, if you like, in the past. I sit there and I'm thinking, well, I know the law and I see what's going off. Who's, not make, who's, who's making a decision here? Yeah. And then you've got the VAR thinking, and I have a suspicion about the VAR. I just wonder who's standing over them because there are times when I'm thinking, why haven't you come in? Well, who is standing over them then? <laughs> who is? Keith, well, Keith knows who it is. <laughs> yeah. He knows very <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, I think, look, I've worked with these guys. They're, they're showing a level of confidence that is lower than what I would expect from them. Yeah. And I look at them. I look at them and I think there's a bit of fear in it. That with some that are on a holiday camp, with, with some of the referees that I thought, you know, I watched Chris Cavanagh come on the list, and I'm thinking, a breath of fresh air. This, this is a good lad, a good decision maker. I've seen him absolutely drift. Mm. And I'm thinking, you've stopped making decisions, Chris. You're not, you're lazy. Mm. And scared. I think they're scared as well, Keith. But let, let me run this past you. Oh, and I, I, yeah. I say this with the, the tongue very firmly in cheek. Um, very well said, Gary Lineker this week. Um, uh, on behalf of the BBC, who's come up with this very innovative idea. What's that? I wish I'd thought about it about What's 18 that? months ago. He thinks we should allow conversations between the referee and the video assistant to be heard by fans. Somebody told, you, somebody told me that 18 months ago. Yeah. We should do that. Oh, yeah. was you? Yeah, it was. <laughs> was, was you? It was, yeah. <laughs> what was you, fella? Right. See, I've, and Keith wasn't initially when I, I put this, I, Keith wasn't on board with this. Were you but, not, Keith? No. I think what? it's now so critical, no, I, Keith, that we need, not yeah. through the game, not interested in that, but when a referee goes to a monitor, and I've seen one case, only one, when a referee's left a monitor saying, no, I'm happy. I think we yeah. have to have the, the, the ability to listen to that conversation. It's critical now that we hear what they're saying. Agreed, Keith, or not? Well, Richard, you, you proposed that in a discussion with me 18 months ago, and I disagree with you 100%. I'm now actually agreeing with you 100%. I... I, I look at the decisions, I look at how they're coming to them, and I'm bemused at times. I'm bemused by a referee who believes he's made the right call, he then goes to the screen, and he's just capitulating. Totally. He's, uh, you know, it, this comes about, Richard, I think, from the, the introduction of VAR by Mike Riley. He decided, we're not going to use the pitch side mm -hmm. monitor, year one. Year two, is coming under a bit of pressure, and he says to the public, you can go back and check, we're going to use the pitch side monitor sparingly. Three times in 380 games. We've now got a situation where we've still got the VAR making the decision, which is I don't like. I can understand it on offside, yeah. but I just like every decision that the VAR is going to look at, if you like, in terms of 
is it going to be a change decision? I want the referee involved in that process. Absolutely. But yes. they're going... Totally. And the old fact is, I am better informed if I sit watching TV than I am if I've paid me 50 quid to watch oh, yes. a football match. Absolutely. That's also true, yeah. yeah. And we haven't a clue what's going on between the VAR. Now, I have a suspicion. I don't, I don't think they're going to be informed that this is what they should look at. I'm, I believe that going to that screen and saying, when you go to the screen, mate, you change your decision. Totally. I, 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 it, it's, it's not transparent. It's open to the comments I've just made. It's not helping the game. And time, I don't think, is the problem here, Richard. You know, we're only getting 54 minutes in a, in a Premier League game now on average, playing time. So it, the timing of games is another issue and a Agreed. big issue yeah. that nobody's mm-hmm. addressing. Yeah, it is. It should it's be an independent can, 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 I, can I throw in something that Keith and I have talked about as well with yeah. this VR as well, Keith, see what your thoughts are. Um, is there also an, a, a, a chance that, say... Uh, new referees, inexperienced referees who are on the field of play, for instance, w- can be not bullied, but swayed and intimidated if the VAR operative is a far more experienced referee. And equally, Keith, can I add ah. the other way around? It's yes, true also. I, if, if I'm a, if I'm if I'm a new Jared Gillette, I'm not going to tell Atkinson he's dropped a bollock. Correct. Is, is there a case that that could happen or does happen? Absolutely. Look, I, I don't think. I don't think it happens. I know it happens. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a natural process. We yeah. You know, as referees, we've come through. I can remember running a line to Jack Taylor, and I flagged three times. I actually had Ellen Road, who were playing Arsenal, and I flagged three times before half-time, lead 10 minutes up to half-time, and I came in the dressing room, and Jack Taylor said to me, now then, young man, you're getting too busy. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? Um, look. Second half, just give me ball in and out of play. I don't need any help from the middle of the <laughs> and, and so Brilliant. I think that I think that relationship is one where I'm believing. I'm quite clear now. I, if I was in charge, I would close Stockley Park. I would put the VAR either in the stadium, in a room, or on the bus, if you like, in the car park. Because I want the VAR and the referee to look eyeball to eyeball before the game, to understand the game and the atmosphere that's, that's there. And then, at post-match, instead of walking away and nobody getting answers for anything, and the referee taking a little bit on the chin on occasion, I want some accountability. I want some discussion. How are they going to improve? Because they're not improving. Nope. You know, if, if in business you decide you're going to stand still and you're happy with life, then that's the time when you go backwards and we're going backwards Mm. like it's going out of fashion Keith Hackett uh, thank you very much for joining us today Um, we've run out of time we've run out of time I could listen all day to be fair but um, uh, I I just I was just getting warmed up we batter a few of the modern day referees as well (laughs) Keith Hackett Yorkshireman ah who says what he likes and he likes, likes what, what he, he says. says. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Great. 
Much easier, by the way, talking to Andy than it is recording. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm much more civilised than this. Like in, this in, in, in parting, uh, Keith, uh, you, you'll remember the cup final, Everton, Manchester United, referee, Big Peter Willis. Reedy, Reedy's, yeah. Reedy's never going to get... Yes, he is. Reedy's never he's getting through past. on goal. No, he's not. Reedy, what three, three yeah. for Gary Bailey? He can't run. If he'd done what he should have done, go left for Sharpie or right for you... You're in. But anyway, he's looking yeah. for the foul. He gets the foul. Over yeah. he goes. Willis yeah. has got a big call. He's got Have a I got a sense? Yeah. So, as you would expect, a number of individuals on the pitch, Keith, helped him out. One of them yeah. was a certain Andy Gray. What yes. did you say to him? Well, it was funny. I knew he was under massive pressure, Keith, so I'm, I'm straight over to him. And I'm going... He's got to go off. If you don't send him off, it's a dereliction of your job. That's a shocking thing. We are through there. We've only got the goalkeeper to beat. We are three against one. You have to send him off. And I can see his eyes. His eyes were massive. Yeah. And he's thinking, shit, I'm, nobody's ever been sent off in a final before. And then all of a sudden, so it was all kicking off. And I've slipped away after letting him have plenty and telling him what I thought. I'm stood beside Brian Robson. So about 10 seconds later, 30 seconds later, out comes the red card. It does that to yeah. Kevin Moran and I turned to Robo and I went that's a shocking decision Robo that is off we went sad thing is we got beat Keith stay in touch my friend really good thanks, to spend Keith. time with you thank you so Good much <laughs> thanks Keith Pleasure. cheers mate thank cheers. He's such a good lad, Keith. He is. Such a good... And, and I, I, you know, I'd, I'd be accused, Andy, at the stage we are at now of being uh, dinosaurs, perhaps. Yes. But there was something about the fun of that era oh, that listen, these guys today don't share. No they can going... have all the money in the world. Exactly. Not as much fun as it was. Don't no, I don't care. think it was. I don't think it is. And uh, the same, same for the referees. You can't, you can't brush past them these days. No. Anyway, uh, I hope you've enjoyed. We have strayed a little bit longer than normally we do, but I thought that was worth doing so with Keith. Because well, I'll tell you why. Because honest. it's a bit difficult when your top five turns into a top ten. <laughs> uh, now, now you've found us. Yeah. Tell your mates. Uh, you can get in touch with us at Keys and Grey, the podcast. You can ask your electronic device that's at home to play Keys and Grey, the podcast. I've tried it. And she will. I've asked Alexa. And it does. Yeah, she had a bit of trouble finding it, but yeah, she did. Only first time around. Uh, Second time, it's fine. Yeah. And you can follow us, of course, on Insta and Twitter at Keys and Grey Pod. Keys, A-N-D, Grey Pod. And we're going to get very busy on Twitter. So any thoughts, we will be able to receive and both share the following weekend. Right. So there we go. Right. Thanks again. Got it. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.